Hello, hello. Weather episode number four with Bridges, Borders, and Eagles. This is El Chuyin with JC. JC, you on? Yeah, I am. Hey, Chuyin. Why don't you uh, start that over again? It sounded like it may have missed the first part of it. We don't want any of our listeners to miss out on any. Sure thing. Uh, anyway, Absolutely. Okay. So it's episode four, everybody. Welcome back. <clears throat> Took a little bit of a break here. I'm Chuyin, and with me, I've got JC. Uh, hey there. This, is, this is episode four and uh, I apologize to the community. We took a little bit of break, went on holiday, but now we're back in action here. And our very first cast was Ponte Trucha. And today we've got no, well, it's uh, a compliment that echoes on situational awareness. Ponte Trucha basically means uh, become aware of your surroundings and situation so that you can react accordingly. Today's is a complement to that. So once you become invested into a situation that you can take advantage of it and you can move into uh, proactive mode. How about that, JC? Does that uh, echo in your thoughts as well? I think that's great. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, there's uh, no such thing as luck out there. There's uh, uh, luck associated and dovetailed in with uh, a lot of preparation for sure. Um, if okay. I might share uh, an example of that, maybe for sure, our listeners, absolutely. yeah. If you go uh, way back to 1996, and you would have found me in 1996 in Orange County, California. At the time, I had moved to Orange County uh, from uh, Utah, actually, after finishing uh, college, and moved there to uh, pursue a, an opportunity of buying and selling memory. And back then, memory was a hot commodity because uh, the uh, CPUs uh, weren't increasing um, as much. There was a lull in technology, but you could increase memory and still have a lot of cash in your, uh, I don't know, I mean cash like money, I mean cash like memory cash in your computer. So the idea at the time was to buy more memory. So that was my job. I was uh, trading memory, selling it to big companies and also trading it. It was... Uh, used much like a commodity and the dot-com that I was with started to downsize and I quickly had to scramble and figure out what I could do to feed uh, my young family at the time and so what I started doing is using every single avenue and resource that I had that was available to me one of those resources were something that's very ancient uh, also known nowadays and back then as the newspaper and I started looking through the newspaper. Lo and behold, I found an opportunity there in the newspaper for what was called an in-store banker. An in-store banker is somebody that works in a grocery store but works in a bank. So it's a little bank inside of a grocery store. And not knowing any better, I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. I had spent already 11 years in the grocery business um, as um, a person in school, in high school, and then uh, worked my way. Um, in the college doing the same thing, had a lot of grocery store experience, but no banking experience. And to make a long story short, I was hired uh, and uh, was really excited. I was trained in banking. And to even make a longer story even shorter, I was able to use all those skills and abilities to uh, move on from that job and and uh, understand the commercial banking world, understand the uh, the, the mortgage banker world, um, ancillary products like treasury management. I went on mm -hmm. to run uh, several banks 
um, and uh, spent a 23-year career um, in the banking business, all from a newspaper ad. And the idea there was that if you use all your resources, if you execute, you know, and move on something when an opportunity's there, uh, you never know where, where to land. So that's uh, the advice that I can give today. And that's make okay. sure that you're using all of your resources whenever possible. So it's an example of que onda, right? Like what's going on here and how can you take advantage of it or what's happening and how can you use it to your benefit, correct? That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. For our listeners out there, que onda, it's two words, Q-U-E. And then the second word is H-O-N-D-A. I'm spelling it correctly finally after many years. <laughs> I thought it was uh, O-N-D-A, even though I'd been saying it forever. But literally, it means what's going on or what's happening. Uh, one of those two versions in a situation. So as uh, JC pointed out in his story, he explains that he took advantage of a situation here, asked the question as to how to move from the grocery world into the banking world. And that's an example of taking advantage of a circumstance. That's well, exactly right. That's exactly right. And it can happen in any in any way, one of one of a million different ways. And it can even be funny sometimes. I don't know. I was going to ask you, JC, did you do anything? Uh, I'm sure it uh, carries in itself, uh, but explicitly, is there something that made you lucky or prepared to make that transition? You know, I felt prepared. I felt lucky only after... I was called in for an interview and was offered a position, mm. but really preparation is really the key. Uh, preparation by way of uh, working hard in the grocery business. So I was able to have some leadership opportunities there, um, being able to expand in anything that I do in any job that I do. I believe that anything that we do helps us and helps us you know, into the future. Um, it's kind of like, uh, I was going to say, it's kind of like a, a, you know, relationship breakup with a girlfriend. You know, the great news is typically always find a better girlfriend. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> true. Or sometimes you have regrets, right? And it's only an opportunity to improve your skills. The ones that comes, the ones that come to mind here are customer service skills. I, I guess you had to really, really uh, polish those off, uh, or polish those to new levels. Uh, so you could uh, transfer and use them in the banking world with customers and clients, et cetera. Sure. Absolutely. You know, I was already dealing with people's food. So there's not too many of the things that are more important to people than their food and their money. Right. Right. So. Very true. Well, if I may, JC, I've got a uh, short story here with yeah. uh, my upbringing and community. It was very humble still in El Paso, Texas. My mother uh, frequently went over to visit extended family on both sides of the border. But this time we're visiting family in El Paso. And on one choice visit, we got to experience government cheese. <laughs> All of us became fans of it. I don't Love know if you it. had any in your world growing up, but we really Absolutely. loved it. Absolutely. I did have government cheese. It's, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it spread well. Okay. So <laughs> I was very excited to have some for the first time. And I asked my aunt, hey, where, do you, where did you get this stuff? And she said, well, it only comes by way of food stamps in the local community and some of the programs there. And so I next asked my mom, I said, hey, uh, can we get some of this stuff? And her answer was, well, we'll get some every time we come visit your aunt. I wasn't satisfied with that answer. And so I asked a few more 
uh, prodding or probing questions with my aunt. And I, I found out that the person that helped my aunt fill out her application for government uh, benefit services like that was English speaking. And my aunt being a Spanish speaker only relied on that person when they came to visit maybe every rarely uh, so often. And so I thought in advance uh, of the situation. And I, I said, well, maybe there's an opportunity here for me to help my mom with an application since I had become bilingual. If I could convince her to get an application, I could fill it out for her and have her turn it in. And maybe we could enjoy government cheese too. <laughs> <laughs> right. It worked out. It worked out. It took a convincing on behalf of my mom because she's very proud and she's very humble. Uh, but also has her limits when it comes to asking for help, but I convinced her. She The taste of government cheese was, I mean, I used it a lot to convince her to go and find an application where I'd help her fill it out. And so, yeah, the uh, takeaway is that I saw an opportunity where I could use my bilingual skills. I was prepared with them. I had filled out applications before for summer programs for myself and my younger brothers to participate in. Yep. And so I applied them here and we enjoyed government cheese thereafter. Well, let me ask you something, Gene. What about pride? Was Where was pride in all of this? You know, you were, you were very um, entrepreneurial in your, you know, your, I guess your mindset. You found the opportunity there where somebody else had cheese. You didn't have cheese. Yeah. But did pride get in the way like it does sometimes for us in, in little things? Oh, it certainly does. Pride is definitely there and it stops you in que onda situations. Pride will come to a complete stop because it's a voice in your head because of culture, upbringing, community, family, standards and values that says, mm-hmm. hey, you're a little bit better than that. Uh, you shouldn't be doing that or you should be doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole different conversation on select topics, but pride has a lot to do with it. And sometimes our pride is misplaced or misaligned. Sometimes it's well-placed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot easier to give than to receive. And sure, uh, once, sure. You can, once you can break out of that mindset or that paradigm, then it certainly um, is a lot easier. You know, I was thinking sure. uh, from a story you had shared with me a while back, uh, the transition from an enlisted individual to the, to the officer ranks, um, I thought might be appropriate to share. You want to share that story with us? Yeah, yeah. In fact, it's very appropriate on the topic of pride. Uh, And the community where I grew up with, not a lot of people went on to be officers in the military. In fact, we didn't even know what an officer was. And the... uh, You knew what a police officer was. I knew what a police officer was. (laughs) And uh, and a border officer, a border patrol (laughs) officer was. We certainly knew what that kind of officer was. But (laughs) as as far as it... it, uh, well, when it came to the military, we understood it was one fighting force and they were all, at least the newer, younger generations understood that there were divisions like the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, etc. But none of us knew quite so well what it was within the, the actual branch itself, that there were enlisted, there were officers, and there were warrant officers. Right. Well, to, to tell that story, I enlisted into the pararescue community of the Air Force and... I didn't know, but uh, to be an aviator, which was my plan all along, was uh, a re- uh, there was a requirement to become an officer first. 
And I wasn't very happy after discovering this. Of course, every recruiter has an, an agenda and they have a, a uh, metric that they have to use. And, and uh, otherwise, it means the difference between uh, being promotable or not. But right. a lot of uh, recruiters have to do their job. And I enlisted first, uh, not knowing the difference in the structure. But while I was enlisted, I started, uh, instead of being miserable and just upset about the situation, I started doing some research. I started looking into programs that could transition or altogether in my mind, I thought, well, I just finished out my enlisted, my, I'll finish my enlistment uh, commitment and then I'll come back as an officer so I could still fulfill my uh, wishes and dreams for an aviator. But in all this preparedness and all this research and all this looking up information and getting familiar with process and protocol, I came across the right people that had done it before I had. And so when I came across a good captain and a colonel, for example, that had made a similar transition from enlisted to officer, I knew exactly what questions to ask. And that made a huge difference. In other words, if somebody had come along and said, hey, uh, I understand you wanted to be an officer, then I would simply respond with something like, yeah, I sure am. And maybe they would, I would expect a pat on the back and, okay, well, uh, good luck out there, mm-hmm. response from the good colonel or the good captain. But instead, I focused on very genuine questions and very sincere questions. For example, what sort of resume should I be working on right now? Or what is the nomination process to be accepted to the Air Force Academy or to receive a a nomination? And these led to other questions and answers. For example, there is an automatic nomination given to enlisted community members to who apply for the military academies. So there were too many questions and too many answers that I was very, very, very prepared for and had a very substantive conversation with uh, enlisted to officer community members that made all the difference. So it's an example of que onda applied proactively, applied in a, uh, instead of a reactive manner, but rather proactive so as to further your goal, further your uh, opportunity to execute. Yeah, that's outstanding. And eventually, and then eventually became an officer and uh, you were able to, uh, extend a hand of a fellowship to others as well and, and to help them. I'm sure that yeah. weren't listed. So give you an opportunity yeah. to be in that position. Very good. It sure did. It prepared me so much. I mean, the level and amount of preparedness that I had accumulated was enough to actually place me out of the preparatory school at the Air Force Academy and into direct uh, appointment to the academy itself. And that in itself uh, was, uh, it saved me a, a year of my transition uh, into the academy, into the world of being an officer as well. I mean, so it's not too, uh, I guess I can't uh, explain and emphasize enough what it is to do this amount of preparedness so that you're not lucky. You jump in there with opportunity facing you and you just grab it. Right. No, that's great. I think that sums it up just beautifully. Um, It's not like you can wake up one morning and, and uh, be an officer in flight planes, that's for sure. Very sure. good. Sure, it's a Very process. Well, okay. That's awesome. 
That's well, I'm awesome. hoping this helps out our community uh, when it comes to that transition from uh, Ponte Trucha to Que Onda. So yeah. Que yeah. Onda is assessing proactively, looking out uh, or looking for and searching out opportunities that, that you've been prepared for or that you can rever- uh, design backwards so that when it comes along again, and keep in mind, some of those opportunities are once in a lifetime or they're time sensitive, but uh, well, th- preparedness this, is the key. It is. Well, this dovetails perfectly into our next episode and, and our next episode entitled No Manches, which basically means look before you leap. Uh, this is probably sure another uh, great reminder. Uh, make sure and communicate with us. Tell us your th- Give us your thoughts. Tell us what you think. Uh, we'll mention it on the next episode. Uh, our email address is uh, BBE Bravo Bravo Echo. So BBE78148 at gmail.com. That's BBE78148 at gmail.com. And, uh, and it would be great to, to hear from you from that standpoint. Any closing thoughts? All right. If there are closing thoughts, um, don't know if you if there are any closing thoughts. Gene, you still out there? Okay. All right. We'll go ahead and, and wrap it up until the next uh, podcast.